Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the Kettlecast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. On this episode of the cast, we're talking about the Hawks' 95-101 to loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Hawks go up to Cleveland, and after a good first half, a terrible third quarter dooms the Hawks as Ricky Rubio and the Cleveland Cavaliers get a big win and send the Hawks to 1-1. Without further ado, let's get into it. After such a strong opening game where the Hawks really sent a message and beat the Dallas Mavericks, they go up to Cleveland and face a Cleveland Cavaliers team that had lost the night before, was 0-2, and a team that Ricky Rubio uh, took it upon himself about the loss the Cavs had the night before, and the Cavs would come out and get a big win against the Hawks. The Hawks had a nice first half. They would be leading at halftime, 55-52. to 53, excuse me, but that really kind of hid the fact that the Hawks played a really poor uh, end of the second quarter, and in the third quarter, the Cleveland Cavaliers would take a huge lead, winning the third period 31-17, to and would ultimately win the game 101-95. to The big star for the Cleveland Cavaliers had to be Ricky Rubio after a night where he took it upon himself for the loss. He came back and he was 9 of 15 from the field, finished the game with 23 points, 3 of 7 on his 3-pointers, 2 of his 3-pointers coming at the end of the second quarter that really helped the Cavaliers stay close and was part of a huge 25-2 run but from the second to the third quarters in which the Cleveland Cavaliers really took control of this game. Um, Rubio would also have 6 rebounds, 8 assists, a steal, and was a game-high plus 16. He was really everywhere, um, whether he was guarding Trey Young or Kevin Herter or whoever on the wing. None of the Hawks players could stop him on the other side. Again, his couple of three-pointers, he has a little bit of chemistry from Kevin Love from their days playing for the Timberwolves. That was apparent at the end of the first half when Kevin Love was able to find Ricky Rubio. Trey Young kind of helps down on uh, Kevin Love that allowed Rubio to get a corner three-pointer that cut the lead to um, three points at halftime. And from there on, really, the Cavs took over. This was a really strangely officiated game. The Cavs would ultimately take 12 more free-throw attempts than the Hawks did. Uh, the Cavs would shoot 20 of 27 from the free-throw line, while the Hawks were 9 of 15. The Hawks were not just only not getting to the free-throw free line, but they were missing their free-throws. Everybody on the Cavs got to the free throw line except for Chetty Osman. For the Hawks, there were only a few players who did. Trey Young was able to get to the free throw line seven times, and he would finish the game with 24 points. But that disparity at the free throw line, I thought, really disrupted the Hawks, and Trey Young got a technical foul in the third quarter arguing about the fouls. And it was watching the game in real time, it felt like uh, one of the weird games where the more physical team wasn't getting called for fouls. And Trey Young's go going to have to make an adjustment. It's clear that um, part of the new emphasis from the officials this year is not letting players kind of dupe officials and sending them to the free throw line. And Trey Young has already had um, multiple attempts where he get he's gotten caught up in the air, hasn't gotten the foul call he expected, and has had to take an awkward shot or make a pass. Um, but I think he's already adjusted. I think in the Dallas game, there are a few that he didn't even get the pass off or had a really awkward shot. There was fewer of those attempts in this game. Um, and in fact, there was a play where he got a Coro on his back and he got into 
the paint and he was trying to get his usual where he stops and the defender runs into him. Trey went up, he made the shot and he still thought he got fouled and actually made the and one symbol uh, motion to the official um, thinking that he should have gotten the call. But that huge disparity at the free throw line was kind of the big difference in the game. There weren't a lot of turnovers from either either team. The Hawks had nine turnovers. Um, Cleveland only had 10 turnovers. Uh, There were not a lot of assists in the game after a wonderful performance from the Hawks where they had 31 assists against the Dallas Mavericks. They came back and only had 20 assists against the Cleveland Cavaliers. I did think that the big difference for the Cavs was just their size and their size. They can throw seven. They can throw three seven footers out on the court. And there was one point in this game where Trey Young actually went up at the rim and challenged all three seven footers and got blocked. So the three seven-footers for the Cavaliers are Lowry Markkanen, Jared Allen, and Evan Mobley. Um, It was actually a really nice uh, little play by Trey after he got blocked. Um, Jared Allen got the ball and tried to throw it ahead, and Trey made a nice little steal, and the Hawks were able to get points out of that turnover. But not a lot of turnovers. Um, The Cleveland Cavaliers didn't shoot the ball particularly well. They just shot 41% from the field, 41.6%. Uh, the Cavs shot 25% from three, just seven of 28. But again, the Hawks didn't shoot the ball very well. They shot it even worse than the Cavs did. 38 of 99 for 38%. They shot 10 of 34 from the three-pointers below 30%. And again, we're just nine of 15 from the free throw line. John Collins missed two free throws, his only two attempts. Clint Capella has gotten off to a bad start to the year on his free throws. He's 0 of 3 this season. He missed two. Um, in this game and the Hawks just never really got a flow really going. They ultimately would get back into the game in the fourth quarter and make it a close contest. They got it within five, even down to three a couple times, but to the Cavs credit, every time they responded, um, a big play in this game came when there was kind of a scrum in the fourth quarter, the ball was on the ground and somehow Ricky Rubio was able to get a timeout called. Um, and I am still not sure how Rubio was able to get a timeout when John Collins' hands were on the ball just as much as Ricky Ruby's a, R- Ricky Rubio was, but it was just Ricky Rubio's night. On the Cavs side of things, after Ricky Rubio, who had that monster game, the uh, Cavs had six players in double digits. Um, that was Rubio, their rookie, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Colin Sexton, Lowry Marketin, and Kevin Love, who came off the bench. All of those players were in double digits. Um, Ricky Rubio was a game high plus six and or plus 16 in the plus minus. The next highest player in the plus minus was Kevin Love off the bench. He was just three of seven from the field, but he got to the free throw line six times and made five of six free throws and finished the game with 12 points. He also had six rebounds, two of them offensive and three assists. Um, and the Cavs just had a really nice even distribution. Again, Rubio led the way with 23 points. Mobley had 17. Uh, Jared Allen had 11. Colin Sexton had 12. Um, and Lowry Marketing had 12 points. It was just, they had everybody getting to the basket. Um, Isaac Okoro even almost joined in on the double digits. He had nine points and it was really Chetty Osman, who was the only Cavalier who didn't really have a huge game. On the Hawks side of things, Trey Young would end up with 24 points, but I actually thought he did not have one of his best games. He had just finished with seven assists. Again, when Trey Young um, is only having seven assists and the team as a whole is only having 20 total assists, 
it's really tough for the Hawks. They're a really good team that has a bunch of different players who can hit shots. And so if they're not getting the assists and the ball's not moving, that's a really bad sign for this team. Trey only had two turnovers, but he was 8 of 22 from the field. And again, I thought that length that the Cleveland Cavaliers had really bothered um, Trey Young and didn't let him kind of get into the things that he wanted to get into. He would get a big on him and he would just not be able to hit the shot. He was just one of six on three pointers. Um, and it was just a tough game for Trey. He did have three steals. Again, one of them, a really nice play where the Cavs were trying to get it up the court and he was able to kind of anticipate that and get a steal and he had two other ones. Um, so a nice little defensive thing, but the starters in general, especially that third quarter, it felt like the starters just didn't have any juice. And I sort of felt that Nate McMillan should go to a full second unit um, just because it, the starters just didn't have it going. And, um, you know, you really got to credit the Cavs after coming in off of a loss to be really motivated and, and really take it to the Hawks. But the Hawks starters, for whatever reason, just never had it going. Clint Capella, who's normally really good, high shooting percentage, which is 5 of 12. John Collins only got eight shots up. He was 0 of 3 on his three-pointers. Um, DeAndre Hunter, 5 of 16, just 2 of 8 on his three-pointers, three rebounds, one assist. John Collins played fewer minutes than Clint Capella did because he got into foul trouble. He had five fouls. Both Capella and John Collins would do a nice job on the uh, on the boards. Both teams ended up with 54 rebounds. The Hawks actually had more offensive boards than the Cleveland Cavaliers did, which um, basically helped the Hawks get more shot attempts up. The Hawks had 10 more shot attempts than the Cleveland Cavaliers, and it just it didn't matter because of the disparity in free throws and the Hawks were just shooting the ball so poorly. Um, on the positive side, Cam Reddish continues his really strong play on the offensive end. He finished with 19 points on 7 of 14 shooting. He was 3 of 5 on the three-point line and 2 of 4 on his free throws. He had six rebounds and three fouls. One thing you see with Cam is that he does, he's not getting any assists. I think he just had one assist in game one, and he had zero assists in this game. I think Nate McMillan has done a nice job of really letting Cam have his role of being the scorer. And the big thing for Cam is him attacking the basket. Again, he got four free throws. With his size, he does not have the problem that Trey Young does. Young has being a smaller guy. Cam is large enough where he can go get in the paint, take it to the rim, and get those foul calls. You'd want him to see to you'd want him to hit all of his free throws. But it's really encouraging to see how aggressive Cam has been on the offensive side of the ball. And hopefully that also engages him on the defensive side of the ball as well. Um there shouldn't be any games where Trey Young ends it with more steals than Cam Reddish. But um I thought Cam was actually a big spark for the Hawks. Um even if he was a team even if he, the Hawks were not able to get out with a win. Um, Kevin Herter was a team high plus 10 in this game, but he didn't have his shot working. Uh, he was just two of nine from the field, did not hit a three-pointer for four points. DeLon Wright had some spurts that were nice. He had a really nice uh, fake handoff and a layup that was totally uncontested that got the Hawks within five late in the game. Um, and then Gorgie Jang continued to, to look pretty good with his shot. Um, and it looks like they're feeling a little bit of chemistry there between him and some of the starters, but really Nate McMillan is sticking to the starting unit and the second unit. Um, there's been a little bit of putting Cam Reddish in, especially with John Collins getting into foul trouble, but, uh, it seems right now it's really, uh, stuck with 
if you're either part of the the starting unit or you're in that next five. Um, the Hawks did not have Danilo Gallinari again. It's not really clear if he's going to be able to play against the Pistons on Monday night. Um, and Lou Williams was available, but he did not play at all. And I kind of think in that third quarter where the Hawks were outscored 17 to 31, they, the Hawks could have used some little scoring punch from maybe a Lou Williams type, but they didn't go with that. And so um, the Hawks really just had a brutal third quarter. That third quarter was dominated by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, Evan Mobley had nine points. They, uh, every player who got in the game scored for the Cavs in that third quarter. Larry Markinen hit his one three-pointer in the third, and the Hawks just really had no answer for the Cavs. The Cavs got 12 free throw attempts in the third quarter. Um, the Hawks only had four free throw attempts in the entire first half. It was just a very strangely officiated game and one that, again, when you're the team that, you know, it feels like the team you're playing against is being more physical, yet you're getting calls for more fouls. It's an extremely frustrating feeling and one um, that can really you can focus on that instead of focus, focusing on the gameplay. And after this game, uh, Nate McMillan talked about how he thought the Hawks got a little caught up in the officiating, which is something ha that happened um, at some points of the to the team last year. And he said the Hawks just really can't let that happen to themselves. Um, they have to just go out and play play the game. And the Hawks also this year are not going to be surprising anyone. And the Cleveland Cavaliers came out ready to play even without one of their better players in Darius Garland, Ricky Rubio got the start and the Cavs came to play and they, they got a, got a win. The Hawks had a 14 point lead early in this game. And again, it's sort of a flurry to end the second quarter and then continuing that flurry into the third quarter really propelled the Cavs to this win against the Hawks. Now the Hawks get to come back. They're one and one and face the Pistons who don't have their number one pick, the actual number one overall pick in the last draft, Cade Cuttingham, um, so there's a big opportunity for the Hawks to get a win and and not let this turn into any sort of slide. And I do think this Hawks team does take losses like this uh, very personally and will not have two bad performances in a row. But it was really frustrating to see the Hawks lose to a team like the Cleveland Cavaliers that I believe is is not nearly as good as this Hawks team. But the Hawks do know that they can't just roll out and get a win just by showing up. Um, and so hopefully... They won't need any more wake up calls like this one. They have, they play the Cleveland, uh, they play the Detroit Pistons at home at State Farm Arena tonight, and hopefully the Hawks will be two and one after the end of that. Uh, all of the Hawks were excited about the Braves making it to the World Series. Um, Trey Young even posted a meme about um, how one Hawks, one Atlanta team had to lose so that the other one could su succeed, um, and ha it had the Hawks logo sort of being sacrificed as the Braves ascended to the World Series. And all of the players were really pumped to see that another Atlanta team is making it to the World Series. And it's a ton of fun to actually see all these Atlanta teams sort of doing really well and supporting one another. Um, the Braves last year made it all the way to the semifinals and lost to the Dodgers before um, the Dodgers went on to win the World Series. And to see the, the Braves move forward, kind of after the Hawks made it all the way to the semifinals this past season. So hopefully this will keep building um, across teams. And, you know, it's super exciting for the city of Atlanta. Get down to the battery. Get down to the stadium for a World Series game. But really disappointing loss for the Hawks. 
one that I think they'll shake off. The one positive I think you can take from this is Cam Reddish is playing really well and sort of figured out his role. But uh, the Hawks play the Detroit Pistons on Monday night, and the Kettlecast will be here to recap that game and look ahead to the game after that. Go Hawks! Thank you for catching this episode of the Kettlecast. You can reach me at kettlecast at gmail.com. And if you could leave a rating or review on whatever platform you use to get your podcast, that's a huge help to me and the Kettlecast. Go Hawks!